T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Joe Burrow, five touchdown passes against the likes of Oklahoma. Georgia, and now Clemson, 16 TD passes, zero interceptions. Was this the greatest season we've ever seen from a college football quarterback? Let's ask a guy who had a pretty stellar season himself, Uh, won a lot of awards, a Heisman Trophy finalist, an NFL quarterback for many years, and now an analyst for Fox Sports. Good to have you on the program, Brady Quinn. It's Dave Briggs, and it's Ross Tucker. Is this the greatest team assembled for a single season is joe burrow the single greatest quarterback at least in a single season you've ever seen yeah i think he had the single greatest season for a college football player not even just a quarterback i'm just going to say player and when you take into account you know what they went through in order to win a national championship the fact that he really never had a poor performance there was really never that that down game where you said, ah, maybe that's why he won't win the Heisman, or maybe that's what will keep him from winning a national championship. He never flinched at any point in time. And, you know, when you think about his story, too, that's what makes this whole thing so much sweeter. His story, as well as even Ed Orgeron's story. You know, if you want to go even a step further and just talk about the season for LSU and how they came about to this head coach and the fact that, you know, he was passed up on by USC. He was seen at other times not being the right fit, but he, he's a perfect fit for LSU. And, and he has led this team to what I, what I believe to be the, the greatest season for any national championship team that we've seen. Again, given what they had to go through, beating as many top 10 opponents as they had. Um, and, and then again, the way they've dominated since they've gotten into the playoff. And then looking at Joe Burrow, the single greatest season I've seen from a college football player, taking into account all that. So I think those two things aren't hyperbole. They're real. Uh, but as far as the greatest team ever assembled, that, that, more, that more than it looks forward into how many of these guys get drafted, what happens after that. I'm not sure we can necessarily go that far. Um, I'm curious, too, Brady. Have you ever seen a guy go from average, like Joe Burrow was last year, to off the charts like he was this year. I mean, people point out Kurt Warner, but Kurt Warner hadn't played the year before. Maybe he was awesome. Same with Kyler Murray. I, I can't remember a guy who played a whole year, was seemingly uh, not bad, pretty average, and then had a year like this. Can you think of any other examples? No, I, I really can't because I don't know that we've ever seen anyone take the type of leap or have this sort of rise like he has. And I, and I think when people ask about, you know, because there's been so many different discussion points heading into this, you know, past game, you know, who would you take Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence and who's the better pro and everything else. And I always kind of rely on the, well, Trevor Lawrence I've seen for the past two years of the true, true freshman, true sophomore. And, and he's as talented as it gets. And he looks to be everything that I think an NFL franchise is going to want at the next level. You know, Burrow, the head-scratcher, is that. It's what exactly do you put on this meteoric rise 
from last year to this year? Is it the maturation of all the playmakers around him? Is it Joe Brady coming in as their passing game coordinator? Is it just his strides that he's made within this offense? It's hard to put your finger on one thing because it's football. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to always break it down to one thing. And I can only relate back to like my experience in college when Charlie Weiss first got there. You know, everyone kind of put it that, well, it was Charlie's offense and everything that helped us improve at Notre Dame and go to back-to-back BCS games. But we also had a young team the first couple of years, and, and we were a maturing team. I think that played a part as well in helping us have more success. So I, I just think it's the sum of all the parts, that they all have come together for the, in, in this beautiful harmony that we saw this season that is going to be one of the most historical, one of the most memorable seasons um, that, that I think we're going to see, you know, maybe in the next 50 years. So it's funny because after I asked you that question, I was thinking about your career a little bit. And I don't, you know, I don't remember every game you played at Notre Dame. I was in the NFL at the time or whatever. But I remember when you, correct me if I'm wrong, Brady, but as a sophomore, you were like a solid starting quarterback. And as a junior, you were an All-American. So maybe you can speak to that. Maybe there are some similarities there. And how much of that was you getting better? And how much of it was was Charlie Weiss? And so how much stock for Joe Burrow should we put into Brady rather than it being all Burrow himself? Yeah, no, to your point, I think Joe Brady has been the facilitator for Joe Burrow, you know, because if you go back and look at what this offense was a year ago with Steve Ensminger calling the plays and what it's really been, it's been a run-heavy offense. I mean, we've, we've always known they've had talented wide receivers, but they, they, I guess either they didn't feel like they wanted to spread or open things up to utilize those guys or they didn't feel like they had the quarterback to do so. So now we see an offense where Joe Brady says, no, 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 you, you guys are missing the boat with the quarterback that you have. You need more empty formations. You need more spread formations. You need to allow this young man, these, these playmakers like a Jamar Chase, a Justin Jefferson, a Terrace Marshall, Thaddeus Moss, you, you need to figure out ways of isolating these guys and giving them, and putting them in positions where they can match up and go win. And it's, it's again, it's worked in a way that I just, I don't know that there's anything you can look back to compare it to considering what a jump he's taken, Joe Burrow's taken, and, and look, I worked with Urban Meyer this past year, and I kind of we had some conversations together, and, and I just kind of kept picking his brain and asking him, like, what was it that you guys didn't see about Joe Burrow at that time at Ohio State? Because it wasn't like I mean Dwayne Haskins, who you know really was the quarterback who beat him out in the spring, and he ended up moving on after you know becoming a graduate transfer uh, to LSU after that. But it wasn't like, you know, Dwayne Haskins was a perfect fit for what Urban Meyer had run at Ohio State before that. You know, more of having a dual-threat quarterback with the Braxton Millers, the JT Barrett, the Cardell Jones. And so, you know, they had to make a transition to Dwayne Haskins. You could make the case Burrow was actually a better fit. And, you know, he just kind of felt like Haskins from the year before, the Michigan game he had, had a little more momentum. And so when you, when you go back and, 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 like, talk to Urban about that, he's like, yeah, I don't know that anyone saw this. Like, we didn't see this in practice. We didn't see – we knew he was a competitor. We knew he had a lot of heart. He's a good athlete. But we didn't see his deep you know, downfield accuracy. We didn't see the this, this same mobility where he'd be shrugging guys off, making plays, running downfield, picking up first downs. 
He's like, we saw it to a degree, but but not like we're seeing versus some of the top opponents. Um, and so I, I really do think it's a combination of Burrow improving, but you've got to give some credit to Joe Brady and even Ed Orgeron for bringing in and trusting a, a young guy like Joe Brady <clears throat> to bring in this offense that's so drastically different. Yeah, and will Joe Brady stick around certainly is the question. They're certainly going to back a truck of money up to him. But I can see on Twitter this morning several cities on their sports talk radio uh, programs this morning discussing, can we get Joe Brady, and in particular the Carolina Panthers, uh, talking to Brady Quinn, former star at Notre Dame, former NFL quarterback analyst at Fox Sports. I'm not a cigar guy, Brady, but... I sure did love the image of Joe Burrow lighting up a cigar in the no-smoking dome there. What did you think of that moment? Too much swagger or just right? No, I loved it. It was just right. You know, for, for one, a guy who likes cigars, uh, I, I love to have a cigar from time to time when my, when my wife lets me. But uh, it, was, it reminded me of and being in Kansas City playing for the Chiefs for a year. I would walk by that poster of Len Dawson, and I believe that was, what, Super Bowl one, if I'm not mistaken? And we'd walk by it often and kind of see it. And I always would think to myself, uh, one, how big of a baller move that is, uh, but just how much the times have changed. But also when you see a photo like Joe Burrow after the game and you kind of realize the times may have changed, but the game's still the same. And that's the thing that I love about football is it's timeless. You know, we can talk about the evolution of the sport and the rule changes, et cetera. But, you know, the battle's still won up front. You still got to have, you know, the right quarterback back there to be that field general in the league, your team to go win games. And uh, it was just, to me, it was like a, a very appropriate moment, I think, for given what this team has accomplished and, and really what Joe Burrow's become. And I think it's fair to say he's become an icon. Any concern about Trevor Lawrence coming out of that one, Brady? No, I think the one thing that we saw from him where it was the first time he truly got pressed, meaning you know, Ohio State, they kind of they got bailed out a little bit, right? Like the targeting penalty on Sean Wade not only takes out one of their best players on defense, but it, it, it took them out of a fourth down and a punt and gave them for a first down of momentum in that semifinal game that helped then aid, you know, in, in their comeback, right? And, and you don't have to look any further than watching Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott, their offense coordinators, that the next play they went after a mere reap in that game. And so they immediately started to you know, poke at the weakness of that Ohio State secondary at that point. Um, and, and then you look at, the, the, in my opinion, what was a fumble, returned for a touchdown, even though it, it would have been you know, spotted short. Ohio State would have points on the board there. So when you kind of go back and look at that game and, and, and measure how much was Trevor Lawrence really challenged, <clears throat> how much was he really you know, pressured to be in the position that LSU put him in, I don't know that it's an, an apples-to-apples apples comparison because I think there's a little bit of help, too, uh, with the officials in, in that game. This past game, I mean, it was, it was to the point where, you know, once they got ahead by double digits, you could kind of see in Trevor Lawrence's overall demeanor, he just he realized he had to press. He realized he had to force things and try to make some throws and make some plays. Otherwise, he didn't, you know, he probably didn't trust his defense to, be able to go out there and get stops. And, and I don't blame him because if, if you're – if you're being honest with yourself and if Dabo and, and Trevor Lawrence is sitting there together watching film, much like when I was at Notre Dame with Charlie Weiss, I mean, we would have conversations where he'd say, look, man, we got to outscore these guys because our defense isn't going to be able to stop them. I mean, we would have those very candid conversations, and I'm sure Dabo and Trevor Lawrence at some point, as good as Brent Venables is and that defense has been, 
said, we're going to have to, to go blow for blow and outscore these guys. And, and I think that's what you saw. You saw his mechanics break down. His stride started to elongate. A lot of times that's what happens when you start sailing balls high. He had a number of overthrows last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Dave Aranda mixed up some of the looks. He didn't play quite as much man-to-man as he normally does, and he didn't play quite as much man uh, as Ohio State did. You know, when they did play man, it was a little bit more off-man and just trying to mix up some of those variations and looks. So I, I think all those things really led to – Lawrence being just kind of off in, in, in the second half. And it's not going to change my opinion of him as a player. He's still a young player, still growing, but he's going to be the best prospect we've seen in quite some time. No question about that. But seeing the adjustments Joe Burrow made to Brent Venable's defense, to the blitz, never blinked, never showed frustration, calmly calculating, worked through it, adjusted his protections, just brilliant adjustments made by the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, Not the only guy that was not supposed to be there, and we're talking to Brady Quinn, Fox Sports analyst, former Notre Dame and NFL quarterback. Ed Orgeron was not supposed to be in this position. He's a cast-off from Ole Miss, from USC. He's the barrel-chested, Cajun-accent, goofy guy that people largely have laughed at and even mocked over the years. And it's a great day this morning, Brady, for freezing cold takes on Twitter. They've got some great old tweets. Colin Coward, LSU settled. This is what happens when you settle. Clay Travis, LSU firing its most successful head coach in program history to fire Ed, to hire Ed O is the most LSU move possible. And Dan Wolken said he called another coach uh, and an agent and all they did was laugh at the hire of Ed Orgeron. What makes this guy the perfect coach for this team and this moment? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, given his roots, um, I think he really taps into just the state of Louisiana, the recruiting there, which is, I mean, that's the lifeblood of your, your program. And, and he understands how much talent there is there in Louisiana, how important it is. Uh, but because of his roots, I, I think it, it helps to make it feel more genuine. You know, college football is so cultural like that. I remember growing up in Columbus, Ohio, and John Cooper being there. And, you know, he was a guy who struggled kind of like Jim Harbaugh is now in Michigan, uh, even though he is a Michigan man. But, you know, Cooper really struggled to win the big game, beat Michigan, and, and that ended up being kind of his demise. But I remember being a little kid growing up and hearing people, you know, kind of be like, you know, he doesn't really fit in up here. You know, something about the accent, something about that. You know, I, I think that was the, that was the storyline with, with Ed, Ed O, looking at USC, looking at, you know, Ole Miss. It was like people didn't take him seriously because of his accent and how he sounded. He's perfect for LSU. I mean, he's perfect for that fit, for that culture, for that area, and he recruits to it. And I think the other thing is, you know, he, he really instills, you know, confidence in his player. And I know that sounds simple, but, you know, he easily could have been, you know, wavering or looking for another quarterback, either in the recruiting ranks or in the transfer portal, you know, after last year with Joe Burrow. Because it wasn't great. I mean, it, it, was, it was pretty average. And he, he could have looked elsewhere, but he didn't. He really instilled confidence in Joe Burrow that he could be the player that he is. And, and I think that's why you see Joe Burrow get so emotional when talking about Ed Orgeron at the Heisman because, you know, he did believe in him. He took him as a grad transfer who really was largely unproven. And, and he stuck with him after a year that was somewhat average and believed in him to be able to get over that mountain that is Alabama and, and to win the SEC and to go win a national championship. So I, I just think the amount of confidence and, and faith that he has in his players, in particular Burrow, and the way he demonstrates it too – is like an underappreciated um, aspect of how Ed Orgeron manages his team. Uh, but the recruiting, the motivation, the confidence, like all those things, 
Like, people think that you got to be a good X's and O's guy. No, not if you have that on your staff. Then you have to be a good manager of people. And I think Ed Orstron is, is really good at motivating and managing people. Brady, I wanted to ask you one question about the Cleveland Browns. They were the last NFL team to make a hire. Kevin Stefanski, the offensive coordinator from the Vikings, and a lot has come out about some of the restrictions on the job, you know, meeting with ownership on Monday and handing in some type of analytics plan on Friday. Uh, your thoughts on what's being reported yeah, cause I, and, and how common you think it might be, because I know at least one team I played for, the coaches told me that the meetings would get backed up on Monday because the head coach is with the owner. So the only point I've been making on Twitter is that, you know, it might be a little bit more common than people out there are letting on. Yeah, so I would say from the different or various teams that I've played on, you know, I don't quite recall that structure where, you know, ownership was as heavily involved in any of those franchises or organizations being successful. Um, you know, in regards to the analytics and the plan and all that, I mean – I would imagine that, you know, and we tend to overblow analytics and it's, it's, um, it's part of in-game decision-making because when it comes down to it, you know, a lot of times, like it, it, that stuff has been going on for a while, like how we're preparing situationally for an opponent and what our plan is going into it. Um, and so we kind of overblow some of that. But, you know, I, I just, the, the most successful organizations that I, have, I was on or have been around the owner really didn't meddle quite as much or wasn't as involved as Jimmy Haslam has been. Um, and so, you know, look, there's been successful organizations where the owner's been more involved, so I'm not saying it can't work that way. I just feel like, you know, the majority of these guys, almost all of them, have made their money elsewhere. And I think it's really, really, really hard to be really great and super elite at more than one thing in life. And I think for these guys to kind of meddle – and even though it's their team, it's their little toy to play with, for them to come in and then make, you know, certain decisions or, and, and try to, you know, dictate what's, what should be happening or what's going to happen. And just because they have prior successful business experience, that doesn't mean that's going to be successful on the field. You know, so it, it is just, to me, it sounds like, you know, you're putting a lot more hope and faith in, um, you know, other parts of your organization like Paul D. Podesta in this case, or their analytics department, or other people who aren't the people working with the players day in and day out, aren't the people who make those decisions on the field uh, every Sunday. That ultimately is what you're being graded upon. And so, I, you know, unless those meetings are, how can I continue to help, you know, Kevin Stefanski improve this team and make them better and do all those things, I'm not sure that's necessarily in the best interest of the team. Sounds like a situation that regardless of the head coach is bound to fail, but we shall see. Brady, want to ask you quickly um, about another sport. You start in baseball in high school and certainly um, are well aware of what happened with the Houston Astros yesterday. The stealing sign scandal. They fire their manager and their general manager after they were banned for a season. Does this impact the way you view the sport of baseball and this stealing sign scandal? Is it up there with, with Spygate or, or Deflategate and how you view an organization or a sport? No, it's, it's, and I think it's because I've, I've always felt like 
in every professional sport, every sport, like people are always looking for edges, and then they're always looking to try to get get one over on everyone else. I mean, honestly, that's that's kind of human nature. You know, you're always looking for that competitive advantage, and in this realm, it's obviously cheating, but. I just have a hard time believing that everyone else wasn't doing it. I mean, during the, during the steroid era of baseball, uh, I remember talking to other players and talking to former players, and they really felt like they were at a disadvantage if they weren't taking stuff because everyone else was. And so now the playing field became unequal because if they weren't taking it, they weren't going to be able to recover quite as well or be as strong and last um, you know, through the season the way they felt like they needed to. So – you know, to me, it doesn't change necessarily the way I think of baseball or even think of professional sports in this realm. We're just we're at a, an era of time where technology and how we're utilizing technology in sports, in game, uh, it's 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 going to be it's getting ahead of us, and we've got to be careful about how we want to use it and how we want to go about kind of governing governing it. And and you know, we, we've got to do one of two things: either we just got to make kind of everything like that legal and try to use it all to your advantage if you can. You know, or you got to figure out, you know, how you're going to create some sort of, um, you know, overseeing, you know, body and committee for this sort of thing to, to monitor this um, 24-7, 100% of the time. And, and every single professional, you know, league we're talking about, because, you know, it's not just baseball. There's, there's other leagues that are trying to, you know, figure out these advantages in other ways. Uh, it just most likely hasn't come to light yet. So, talk, you know, talking with other baseball people like David Sampson, you know, used to be um, – you know, part uh, running in front office for the Marlins. And he had said, look, he goes, I always felt like if someone else was, you know, got caught and then they were, you know, using that to their advantage, you know, he was just saying, you know, there's probably 20 other teams who are doing the same thing. They're just doing it better than everyone else. So he said, that's just the reality of baseball and trying to find an edge and trying to find a way to win. Brady Quinn, former Notre Dame, former NFL quarterback analyst at Fox Sports. Really appreciate the time and the analysis, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.